This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you, whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives. You'll find it all here. By now, McFarlane Mulady is no stranger to sewers. So when we asked him to return to KZN to look into the city's crumbling waste management infrastructure, he was ready to get his hands dirty. But what he witnessed far exceeded his worst expectations. Raw sewage flowing into rivers and the ocean, beaches closed due to alarmingly high E. coli levels. And while the infrastructure failures can in part be attributed to the devastating April floods, Residents and experts say the sewage system breakdown has been in the making for years. With its warm tropical climate and golden mile beaches, the coastal city of Durban promises fun in the sun. But look a little closer. And a very different picture emerges. Durban beaches are regularly closed to the public, and the reason is no secret. It's shockingly high levels of E. coli readings. It's an environmental risk and a health hazard linked to the sewage. But to better understand this E. coli crisis, we need to go back in time. April 2022. Catastrophic storms ripped through Durban. 459 people died. At least 40,000 were displaced, causing billions of rands in infrastructure damage across the Etequini municipality. I was here five months ago when the storms ravaged parts of KwaZulu-Natal. Today, we're still dealing with the destruction. Surely people deserve much better. Water and sanitation infrastructure collapsed in some parts of the city. The result is a raw sewage crisis. It brought us like sickness inside us. We can't breathe at times. Sushi Pele lives next to the Utlanga River in the Durban suburb of Phoenix. This has been her daily reality since April. And uh, you see when you take a plate of food to eat, that smell is coming right inside us. You can't leave our doors open. And it's the same at a number of sites all over Durban. Raw sewage flowing into streams, rivers, and eventually the ocean. Months later, Etiquini is living with the consequences. Marine and environmental scientist Nicole Martins has been running independent water tests since January this year along a number of Durban's beaches and rivers. So if you have a look at the trends of results, we were seeing non-compliance before the floods, just as much as we are seeing it after the floods as well. The city's water crisis is not new. It's been a long time coming. It was about to happen. If the floods didn't happen in the next year or two, everything would have come down eventually anyway. This insider is a municipal employee with more than a decade's experience. He says the city is experiencing a crisis caused by aging infrastructure and poor maintenance. A lot of the equipment is very, very old and it has not been renewed or replaced. The equipment is taken out, pressed up, and put straight back. There is no backup equipment. For this investigation, we ventured into some of the city's critical infrastructure sites from water reservoirs to pump stations and sewage treatment plants. 
Over four days, we went to 27 locations along the KZN coast from Amanzim Dorti to Queensborough, to Phoenix, Blackburn and Westbrook, secretly capturing clips showing a shocking lack of maintenance, crippled infrastructure and brazen vandalism. Reservoirs across the city store water for public consumption. We managed to freely walk into three of these facilities. Gates open, we were able to lift the lids on water tanks, those that had lids, that is. Pumps were easily accessible, some control rooms didn't even have locks. And while there were guards at some sites, they weren't always easy to spot. At North Coast Pump Station, there is a guard and a fence, well, part of it. It's not operational and raw sewage seeps into the stream. The sites we visited are not isolated. At the time of our investigation, close to 40 water reservoirs were vandalized. Of the city's 247 pump stations, around 70 were overflowing and another 50 destroyed by vandals. They have been vandalized prior to the floods and they just haven't been repaired. One pump station, it's not working and it's pollution, it ends up somewhere. And that somewhere, more often than not, is the sea. So seeing that and smelling that, it's no surprise that this beach remains closed. While filming in September, independent tests showed an E. coli count of more than 24,000 at Umsanga Beach. An acceptable count for recreational use is 500. And the readings have improved since. What we have been finding over the last couple months is that more often than not, these counts have been exceeding that limit. High levels of sewage contamination can also cause fish kills. Canoeist Steve Cohen is from Durbanites Against Pollution. So Stephen, with the naked eye, we wanted to think this water looks, you know, beautiful and serene and you can just jump in. Yeah, uh, looks can be deceptive. <laughs> um, this water is highly contaminated. Mm -hmm. Nearly every single week for months now, it's been exceptionally high readings. A recent reading at the Kingfisher Canoe Club showed an E. coli count of a whopping 435,000, way over the accepted recreational use standard. It's now become so chronic that, you know, you enter the water at your own risk. There's just a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence of, of people getting sick all the time from the poor water quality. The Othanga pump station is near an informal settlement called Blackburn. It's been out of service since the April floods. Yo, this looks awful. We got a, a river of raw sewage running down through here into the Atlanga estuary, and that goes out onto the Atlanga beach. Dr. Mark Graham is a water resource scientist. Itaguini's water crisis isn't unique. Crumbling infrastructure is an issue across the country. It's probably the worst I've seen professionally in working in water for this last 30 odd years. Clearly the floods have had an impact, but we should never have got to the state where the sewage infrastructure is in such a poor state that we're actually now reaping those, those, those ill rewards. It comes down to inadequate long-term maintenance and not taking care of ecological infrastructure. That's looking after the river systems, which are where the, typically where the sewer lines are running. And the more upstream catchment pressure points, overdevelopment, not looking after those, those riparian corridors, that's, that's really causing a lot of the problems. 
Regulation and monitoring of the water sector falls on the Department of Water and Sanitation. Ashley Starkey is the KZN provincial head. Do you think the city is coping? Well, it would appear from, from what we see of late that the city would, would, would really need to, 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 to take drastic measures in to, to remedy some of these situations. They've moved from a low vulnerability to a high vulnerability uh, municipality. It's up to Starkey's department to keep the city in line. The first step is to issue non-compliance directives and notices and hope that the city comes up with a plan. We've issued the city with a number of, of, of directors in the, in the recent past. What can your department then do to hold the city accountable? We are able to work with other departments to ensure uh, that further action is taken. Environmental affairs have fines and others, and we are able to, to, to seek uh, court interdicts, etc., to ensure that they implement the action plans. Etegwini Municipality has plans, but does it have the money? There is a budget, but every year the budget becomes less and less. The demand is getting greater. You can't compete with wear and tear. You can't compete with vandalism. You can't compete with storms. Ednik Msweli is Etekwini Municipality's Head of Water and Sanitation. He concedes the city is struggling. At the end of the day, whatever you want to do, you need money. Because it's just clear the city does not have the money that's required. Municipalities should be allocating 5 to 8% of budgets to water and sanitation. We are around, I think, 5% or less. Is it being set aside? Usually it's close to a billion for water and sanitation. Like in the current financial years, we are around 900 million. We should be spending close to 2 billion rand a year. And, and not for one year, that is forever. If we really wanted to have an infrastructure that's not going to fail. It was a perfect storm waiting to happen with aging infrastructure on the brink of collapse and criminal elements that are just not doing the city any favours. During our investigation, we saw a number of inactive pump stations. One in Westbrook was vandalised at least a year ago. It's not working, yet there is still sewage coming into it. At Sea Cow Lake in central Durban, the defunct pump station is right next to an informal settlement. It's clearly a health hazard. The handiwork of vandals, they've stripped and taken anything of value. And it's been like this for years, long before the storms earlier this year. Electrical components, cabling and even pumps vandalized and stolen, leaving pump stations inoperable. And when pump stations don't work, the result, raw sewage flowing into the streets. Ndwanambata lives opposite the Johanna Road pump station. How long has it been like this? Le pump station in This pump station, I think it's about five years that it hasn't been working. But before the city can repair pumps, it needs to spend money on securing these sites. We showed Msweli our undercover footage. Normal citizen walks into a pump station, walks into a sewer, it works just like that. Gates are not closed. It's unacceptable. I think you're raising a valid point. So it's a challenge that needs attention. Vandalism is killing us. But a lack of resources is also killing Etequini. According to internal reports during the month of September, only three wastewater treatment works were operating at full capacity. The process of restoring them right, is underway. There is a backlog in terms of the replacement of infrastructure. It's something that the city is, is aware of now. 
and they are prioritizing. I think it's sometimes it's just competing uh, priorities that make it difficult. While the municipality is eager to get tourism back on track, some argue the city is getting ahead of itself, making decisions based on E. coli count samples. That single grab sample doesn't tell you the big picture. It's just a single snapshot. So, you know, they may get an indication that it's reasonably acceptable, but the next day there could be a change in water currents and that sort of thing, and the quality changes. Closed beaches means no tourism, and no tourism means no revenue. And with a city that relies so heavily on tourism, you would think fixing the infrastructure would be a priority. So we need our beaches to, to work uh, for, for the economy of this city. So we opened maybe half of them because we attended to the problems that were, that were causing those beaches to be closed. Less than a week after that interview, the authorities had a change of heart and a number of beaches were closed again. It's a constant back and forth. It's a very real risk that uh, the city is unable to turn this around. And yeah, the Golden Mile will be no more. Durban will not be known as a tourism destination anymore. Following our investigation, IFP Councillor Doom Gorsi urged President Cyril Ramaphosa to deliver on his April promise of providing 1 billion rand in aid to KwaZulu-Natal. Meanwhile, experts are growing more concerned as water rationing, leaks and sewage spills threaten a highly profitable festive season. Thanks for listening to Carte Blanche, the podcast. There's another episode coming your way tomorrow. Follow and subscribe to ensure you don't miss it.